Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 9.30 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. It's the sixth day of the second month of 2024, and this is episode five, no, 852 of Bitcoin. And I would be remiss if I did not mention that my good buddy, uh, where is he at? Where is he at? Where is he at? Uh, Maple Trade. There he is, Maple Trade. Maple Trade is, has tapped his maple trees and is now starting the very first steps of collecting the sap to make his maple syrup. And I'm honestly, I'm kind of surprised that he's starting this early. I mean, it's only like the 6th of February. I mean, I figure where he's at, it would be too damn cold for the sap to run. But apparently, Puxatani Phil said we're going to have an early spring Therefore, I guess we're going to have an early spring. If you don't know Maple Trade, he's part of the Circle P, and these are plebs making goods or providing services for plebs for Bitcoin. Otherwise, they would not be in the Circle P. Uh, he makes some of the best maple syrup by hand, the old-fashioned way, right? It's a small operation. So he collects all the sap by hand, gallons and gallons and gallons and gallons of it. And if you think about the weight, of like a bucket of sap, which holds, I think he said, seven gallons of sap. You're talking about quite a bit of weight to move, and I think he's got like 250 trees that he's tapping. This is a labor of love, and you can taste it in every drop of maple syrup that he sends you, and you can buy his very glorious maple syrup with Bitcoin, and you can do it on by getting a hold of him on Noster at Beisnerds. That's B-E-I-S-N-E-R-D-S. Twitter is also at Beisnerds, B-E-I-S-N-E-R-D-S. His sister, Sarah, makes handmade soap, and it's very good soap. So you can also hit him up to see if you want to get some soap going on. I'm hoping that he will do his uh, uh, Valentine's Day packages, or no, not Valentine's Day. He had, uh, last year, he had Mother's Day packages, and I I, quite, I sold quite a bit of those packages for him, apparently. And every time that I sell something for Bisnerds, he throws me big, fat zaps. Big, fat zaps in return for me helping him get the word out about his absolutely fabulous maple syrup. And it comes in a couple of grades. There's a light grade, which is delicious, medium, which is delicious, and cooking. And honestly, I would put the cooking maple syrup on pancakes if I didn't have anything else. Because honestly, this is just this stuff is just not to be missed. So please get a hold of Buys Nerds, buy maple syrup, and his sister Sarah's soaps. All right. 
Now, on to the news. Oh, by, be, before we get to the news, I do have one small announcement. Today's show is going to be a little bit different. I'm going to try to shorten it up, right? And it's not, honestly, it's not because I don't have the time. It's because there's a guy that has been kind of pestering me and a couple of other people on Noster that he's looking for 10-minute, 20-minute, and 30-minute podcasts because all of us are doing hour, two-hour three-hour podcast. So I'm going to try to give at least one person, at least today, what he wants and get this thing a little shorter. So things are going to be just a bit different today. But we will start with NoBSBitcoin.com. Naib Bukele has been reelected as president of El Salvador in not just a win, but a landslide win. President Naib Bukele secured a thumping victory in El Salvador's elections, claiming to have attained more than 85% of the vote. Provisional results, which is 70% of the votes tallied, show Bukele winning 83% support and only 7% for the nearest rival. Wow. In a speech to supporters Sunday night from a balcony at the National Palace, Bukele said the opposition had been pulverized and that his party had also won 58 of the 60 seats in Congress. So that's a pretty resounding result there. Quote, El Salvador went from being the most unsafe country in the world to the safest. Now in these next five years, wait to see what we are going to do. Few doubted the outcome of the elections. Polls showed most voters appeared set to reward Bukele for decimating the crime groups that made life intolerable in El Salvador and fueled waves of migration to the United States, wrote Reuters. Quote, once again, the world's murder capital, El Salvador, saw killings fall to historic lows last year's or last year official figures show. The number of Salvadorans caught crossing the United States border fell by more than a third in the fiscal year of 2023, according to United States Customs and Border Protection. Now, out of Bloomberg, they're saying that El Salvador has now jailed 1.6% of its population, the world's highest incarceration rate. Some rights groups accuse the government of violating due process and manipulating crime data and have also criticized Bukele's bid for re-election. Yeah, our friend Ilhar, or whatever her name is, uh, part of the squad in the United States Senate, uh, sent a letter to the State Department asking them to, I don't know, asking them to spank Bukele because of this horrid human rights situation. And honestly, I, I still am never going to know. I don't think I'm ever going to know what side of the set, what side of the fence I sit on. Uh, we'll, we'll hear from somebody that gave me a boost uh, when we get to that part of the show um, that, you know, damned be the rules. You were supposed to only have five years and now all of a sudden he's got, he's got 10 years, you know, so rules be damned. And I, I can't, I can't naturally say that, that he's wrong, but I also can't dismiss what the hell's going on in El Salvador. And the problem is, is like, now the question becomes, well, are you for dictatorial power? And I'm, I'm not. And this is where we get into the segment of humanity where, we really don't know how to operate as a human species, do we? You got a guy who's clearly freaking cleaned up an entire country. You got, a th- I mean, when the U.S. Borders and Customs agents see a, a, a decrease by one-third 
of the amount of El Salvadorans crossing the border, according to their own data, not El Salvadoran data, but to United States Border and Customs, their data is telling us that one-third or only two-thirds as many El Salvadorans have crossed the border in 2023. That's a lot. That's a hell of a decrease. One-third of the people in El Salvador that would have gone to the United States stayed. And you have to ask yourself the question, is it just a coincidence? And I think not. I think that there is been, has been an extreme reduction in crime. Yes, he's incarcerated 1.6% of the people. What if it's actually possible that 1.6% of the people in El Salvador actually needed to be in jail? But again, you get to the whole point of, well, are you for dictators or not? And honestly, I cannot credibly answer that question at this point because we're at that, we're at that borderline where is it going to be democracy? And then we have to say, well, what is democracy? And it's two wolves and a sheep voting on what's for dinner. Is it, dict- is it a dictator? In which case one person basically calls all the shots forever and ever. There, there's... This is fog of war kind of shit. Because we had democracy in the United States. We have democracy in the United States. And we had it during the rise of the mafia gangs in New York and Chicago. And I've said it once and I've said it before. The United States Department of Justice knew where the, who these guys were. They knew what they were doing. They knew how they were operating. They knew where all of them were. And they chose to do nothing probably hiding behind this human rights stuff saying, well, you know, we can't just violate their human rights. Y'all didn't even try to put them on trial. You put a couple of them on trial over the years, but the operation itself, if you're not, if you're going to violate human rights, well then you are not going to violate human rights. Then you have to let them operate and you have to catch them on a one by one basis. And good luck with that. So I don't know where the hell I'm at on it. It's I'm honestly very confused. I'm conflicted. And I'm just going to leave it at that. Now, here's what I'm not conflicted about. The trial that could end Craig Wright's Satoshi claim for good started yesterday. Bitcoin magazine Aaron Von Wordham is writing forged documents, anachronistic evidence and false statements. According to the Crypto Open Patent Alliance, otherwise known as COPA, Craig Wright has over the past years presented it all in an effort to prove he is Satoshi Nakamoto and the nonprofit believes it is now time to bring a halt to his brazen lie. On day one of the COPA versus Wright trial in London, COPA delivered their opening statements in what will be a weeks-long effort to shut down Wright's litigious behavior once and for all. The trial is of particular significance because it stands to affect a number of further upcoming court cases, perhaps most importantly, including a lawsuit filed by Wright against several Bitcoin contributors. If COPA is able to prove that Wright is not Satoshi Nakamoto, he is unlikely to stand a chance in these cases. But if the high court judge rules that Wright is in fact Bitcoin's creator, it could eventually result in the Australian computer scientist gaining copyright over the Bitcoin white paper and source code, which could severely stifle the Bitcoin development process. Already, Wright's actions appear to have had somewhat of a chilling effect on the open source development community. The list of apparent deceit presented by COPA is long, in some cases rather technical. 
digital forensics that include write backdated documents and forged files, as well as evidence that he used software Satoshi Nakamoto could not have used. In other cases, the anachronism seems quite blatant, like the handwritten note about testing EDDSA signatures for Bitcoin. The signature algorithm was only introduced in 2011, well over two years after the publication of the Bitcoin source code. Wright's defense, he did not speak for himself yesterday, in turn claimed that their client shares both Satoshi Nakamoto's philosophy as well as a skill set the inventor of Bitcoin would have would be presumed to have possessed. Combined with eyewitness accounts of Wright cryptographically signing data with keys only Satoshi Nakamoto which should have, they contend this makes it likely that their client indeed is who he says he is. It's plausible that Wright no longer has access to more evidence that would prove his claim. His defense further argued because the Australian destroyed a lot of it after a quote-unquote mental breakdown, which almost led him to commit suicide. Over the next couple of weeks, claims from both sides will be further examined as many expert witnesses, including Wright himself, will take turns to offer their testimonies before High Court Justice Melor. With the trial expected to run well into March, a final verdict will follow later. So we were all hoping that this was going to be a quick and decisive issue. And it is not going to be a quick and decisive issue because they're going to allow this shit to drag on forever and ever and ever. However, these eyewitness accounts of Wright cryptographically signing data with keys only Satoshi Nakamoto should have, I call bullshit because all he has to do is sign a message on the blockchain. He doesn't even have to send a Satoshi. All he has to do is sign a message. And sure, it'll be a transaction, so there will be a fee involved, but that's all he has to do is sign a message with the keys. But, 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 no, he destroyed the evidence. So the only thing you have is eyewitness accounts that said people that are saying he saw they saw Craig Wright sign the, the message. Where's the message on the blockchain? It's not there. He's saying he destroyed the keys after a mental breakdown that almost led him to commit suicide. It's all bullshit. The guy is no more Satoshi Nakamoto than I am. It's just, it's ridiculous. But we've got other things. And <clears throat> this one may uh, light you, this one may light you up a little bit because it's going to involve ZK rollups. But understand that ZK rollups, even though they started out on Ethereum, is actually a standalone technology that can do some pretty good shit. The fact that it happened to occur on Ethereum first, in my opinion, doesn't actually make it crappy technology. But Citria has launched the first ZK rollup on Bitcoin, apparently enhancing block space capabilities. Nick Hoffman has it for Bitcoin Magazine. Today, Citria team unveils Citria. The inaugural ZK rollup designed to elevate Bitcoin's block space capabilities through zero knowledge technology, departing from traditional scalability solutions that move security and demand off chain. Citria introduces an approach to scale Bitcoin comprehensively with zero knowledge proofs, ensuring on chain verifiability and data availability within the Bitcoin network. This positions Citria as one of the first scaling solutions to enable more complex applications 
without compromising Bitcoin security or altering its consensus rules. The prevalent issue with creating new block space solutions lies in their inability to inherit Bitcoin's fundamental properties of security, decentralization, and censorship resistance. Citria addresses this challenge by scaling the entirety of Bitcoin's block space using zero-knowledge proofs, offering a secure and decentralized alternative. It does so using BitVM as the bridging mechanism between the rollup and the Bitcoin blockchain. Now, if you'll remember, I talked about BitVM before, Bitcoin Virtual Machine. Here's a little description of it if you forgot what the hell that meant. It allows the bridge to be set up between the rollup operator and some set of monitors, the verifiers of the Bit Virtual Machine. This allows the operators to be penalized and have bonded funds confiscated by any of the verifiers if they attempt to process an inaccurate withdrawal. The BitVM instance if challenged by a verifier during the withdrawal process, would actually verify the full zero-knowledge proof in the BitVM challenge response process. And as demand for Bitcoin block space continues to soar, demonstrated by increasing fee rates and heightened interest, existing scalability proposals fall far short in addressing the growing need for inclusion in the block space, the announcement said. While some solutions redirect demand to separate consensus protocols and sidechains, Citria aims to stand out by actively and efficiently using, utilizing Bitcoin block space verifiably without compromising its core principles. Citria's zero-knowledge rollup creates an execution shard, batching multiple transactions with minimal data essential for on-chain verification. This method allows Citria to maximize the efficient utilization of underlying block space while maintaining the full security of Bitcoin's Layer 1. The platform's mission is to advance Bitcoin into the next phase per the announcement, positioning it as the foundation for the world's financial infrastructure. Citria's architectural goal is to provide a modular world for Bitcoin, creating consistent fee revenue for miners, trustlessly scaling BTC, and offering developers a versatile environment for building applications on Bitcoin. Okay. What does this mean? It probably means that the first thing you're going to see is people like Udi Wertheimer figuring out a way to piss everybody in the world off by doing something that is completely unexpected with ZK rollups. I'm I'm just saying you need you are going to have to be prepared for this. We are we no longer exist in a time where when cool shit is done to Bitcoin that it doesn't have an adverse effect because everybody and their dog wants to scam you out of your Bitcoin either by digital cats and rocks and I guess Udi Wertheimer got their They finally got their quantum cats off and made like $13 million almost instantaneously because, yes, it is true that, A, people never learn, and B, a great mass of people in the world are just literally that gullible. And it's sad, and I wish it wasn't that way, but just be prepared that along the way, because ZK rollups, from what I understand, is not... Is well, let's say it this way: it's actually a rock solid tech, and it could be good for Bitcoin. And Citri is going to show us how that works, I guess. 
but understand that at the same time, you're going to have people that are just hell bent in scamming people out of their money. And if ZK rollups can indeed do what this article says it can do, making block space more efficient, then that efficiency is going to be realized not only by people making meaningfully economic transactions, but people making unmeaningful economic transaction as well. So all we have to do to get through all this together is to remember, is it a valid transaction? If it is, then it's included in the blockchain and not you and not I can say a damn thing about what's contained in that valid transaction. All it has to be is valid. We've always known this. So even this was talked about ever since I got into Bitcoin in the summer of 2015. This has always been a huge talking point. What is a valid transaction? Those transactions that follow consensus rules. If it doesn't follow consensus rule, then it's out. If it does, then it's in. What's contained in it, the only thing that it that what's contained in it could actually do to make it where we're happy and it's not included in the blockchain is to somehow or another violate the consensus rules. I'm not saying everybody has to be happy about digital cats. In fact, I'm not happy about them either. But that's me being not happy about stupidity and greed. And I can't do anything about that. Neither can you. Nobody has figured out how to crack that nut. That's humanity. That is a human problem, not a tech problem problem. So just be aware. Now, continuing with a little bit of greed and possibly stupidity, but most cases it's probably necessary. Uh, Cointelegraph has this one. Bitcoin ETF miner sees reserve BTC outflows. All right. So the launch of the Bitcoin ETFs in the United States has triggered over $1 billion worth of BTC flowing from miner wallets. And when I mean miner, I mean the miners, not like small wallets. I mean miner wallets, those wallets held by miners, and that's where they throw all their Bitcoin in. Anyway, there's been an outflow of a billion dollars worth of BTC from those wallets to exchanges within the first 48 hours, marking a six-year high in miner outflow. That's the part that you want to be concerned about. For the last six years, minor outflows have never been this high. And it's been triggered by the advent of the Bitcoin spot ETFs. A net outflow of 3,500 BTC over a single day and the highest value since May of 2023 is a significant BTC movement. The Bitcoin miner reserves decreased to its lowest point since June of 2021, totaling 1.826 million BTC. Now, why? Well, miners need operational liquidity. There's uh, there's also market condition responses and adjustments following Bitcoin ETF approvals. And some miners have liquidated holdings for operational expenses and or risk management. 
Despite miners moving BTC post the ETF approvals, long-term investors are holding assets, showing reluctance to sell at current market prices. A decline in supply last active within one- and two-year time horizons associated with the Grayscale Bitcoin Trust and other ETFs indicates a circulation of dormant BTC. That's old BTC that hasn't really been out of its wallet. So, The advent of the spot Bitcoin ETF has seen some pretty radical underlying changes in the landscape and ecology of Bitcoin as we've come to know and love it. Now, movements of the older Bitcoin supply reflects changing market sentiments and strategies with a significant majority of the Bitcoin supply still tightly held, indicating a belief in future appreciation. So we're just, all this is really doing is shaking out the weak hands. That is something that we've always known about, right? It's just that a six-year high of BTC outflow, while it doesn't really concern me, is still something to watch. And what it really does for me is it just suggests that the mentality, the ecology, the you know not the underlying philosophy, but the market philosophies of Bitcoin as an asset is just changing. And if like, it's like Bitcoin's 15 years old. If you have children and you have a 15 year old, like I do, actually I got a 14 year old, but we're, that's close enough. You're, we're seeing changes. We're, we're seeing major changes in you know, hormonal stuff. We're seeing attitudes change. We're, we're seeing good and bad, right? But my little baby that I remember as always being my little baby is no longer a baby. And I have a choice. Do I see her continuously as a baby or do I see her now as a young woman? And if I make the choice to see her as a baby, I'm not doing myself any favors. I'm certainly not doing her any favors. We have to let it grow. We may not like what we're seeing. Maybe we do, maybe we don't. It doesn't really matter because trying to put brakes on that is just, going to do nobody any good ever. Okay, so there's that one. Now, um, let's do this one. Monero has dropped to multi-month lows because because Binance is delisting Monero. (laughs) Yes, Binance is going to delist Monero. And it's also going to uh, delist Aragon, Multichain, and Vi. And all that shit's going to come in February the 20th. 2024, which has led to an extreme drop in the price of Monero. (laughs) Following the delisting announcement, Monero's price plummeted to a multi-month low, losing nearly 20% of its value in just a few hours. Um, Trading pairs are also going to be removed. Those trading pairs clearly will be uh, against Bitcoin, Monero, and all this other stuff against Ether, uh, and USDT and Binance's native coin BNB. So all that's gone. That's all going to go away. So if you're shit coin trading Monero versus any of those pairs, forget about it. It's, it's done. And it's just done, 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 done. Um, withdrawals of the delisted tokens will not be supported after May the 20th, 2024. So you don't have a whole lot of time to get your shit coins off of Binance if you want them. And Binance may very well convert the delisted XMR into stable coins on behalf of users after May the 21st, but the conversion is not guaranteed. The decision to delist Monero is based on various factors, 
including contribution to a healthy and sustainable crypto ecosystem and evidence of unethical and fraudulent conduct. Binance has faced regulatory pressures. So I think what's going on is that I don't like Monero because I still believe that it's a shit coin, but I'm not going to not recognize the fact that Monero and Zcash has better privacy than Bitcoin. And that's why I think that's why Binance is delisting it because they've, they've crawled in bed with every regulatory thing that you can possibly imagine simply to stay alive. And we may see Binance just completely crumble. I don't know. I actually don't really give a shit, but you know, it is what it is. Um, this one, uh, oh, oh, along with a little bit more shit coinery news, Solana Network went down. <laughs> yes, they experienced a major outage on, to, well, today at, at 10.22 UTC, halting all block production and leading to a complete stop in network activity. Honestly, that's all you need to know. From what I understand, the network is back up, but only after five hours of Solana completely die, being dead, unusable, unresponsive, non-resuscitatable, at least at that point. And now they've apparently resuscitated it. I guess they put the paddles on it and shocked it with a couple of volts. And now, now everything's good. But if, if for whatever reason, you're still thinking that maybe Solana is a good idea, stop, don't buy Bitcoin, hold Bitcoin. Speaking of the lat, this is the last shit coinery we'll go through. A United States judge has demanded that Ripple Labs provide historical financial statements. And they're going to be uh, required to produce the records from 2022 through 2023 and answer questions regarding the amount of XRP institutional sales proceeds received. The financial documents of Ripple Labs are considered highly confidential, leading to the company challenging the SEC's request last month. Ripple has been in conflict with the SEC since 2020, facing a $1.3 billion lawsuit for selling unregistered securities. And of course, Ripple Garling, uh, Gar Ripple Garlinghouse, Ripple CEO Brad Garlinghouse is saying that the SEC is very hostile because of all of it. But the point here is that the United States federal judge has indeed cited with the Securities and Exchange Commission that Ripple is going to have to hand over all of these historical financial records from 2022 through 2023 to see just how much of this crap they've sold. All I can hope is that the judge sides with the SEC, declares this thing an unregistered security, and sends Brad Garlinghouse and his little team of scammers straight to jail. Let's run the numbers. CNBC futures and commodities. West Texas intermediate oil is up almost a full point to $73.44. Brent North Sea uh, up 0.87% to 78.67. Natural gas has fallen to a very low level, a level I haven't seen in years. $2.03 per thousand after a 2.35% drop. Gasoline is up a third of a point to $2.21 a gallon. Shiny metal rocks doing well. Gold up half a point. Silver up half a point. Platinum is up a full point. Copper up a quarter. Uh, that's I'm just going to keep that one short. Let's go to the Clark Moody dashboard. 
Price of Bitcoin is $43,185, $847.3 billion of market cap. There are 19,620,030.5 BTC in circulation. Average block size is 1.67 megabytes, 568.3 exahashes per second. That's pretty high, dude. And the average fees per block are 0.44 BTC. Uh, block space percentage being used by stuff like ordinals and inscriptions remains single digit at 1.4%. In the mempool, it looks like there are, what, good Lord, 218,000 unconfirmed transactions sitting inside 323 blocks. So well, we're way down. The mempool is being or mempools are being cut into. This is good news. This is good news. And what's even better news is high priority transactions is only going to cost you a buck seventy-five. Low priority, twenty-six satoshis per V-byte. Anything under ten satoshis per V-byte are being purged from mempools around the world. And I'm reading on mempool.space that the hash rate is six hundred and sixty-three point seven exahashes per second. So let's just say we've topped out above. 610 exahashes per second if we take the average of both the numbers I just gave you. Now, on to Sunday, 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 which was episode 851 of Bitcoin And. I got Kaz Peeland with 1,000. He says, nothing. God's death with 537 says, thank you, sir. I love the rants. I agree. In Nancy Reagan voice, just say no. Stacy with 500 says, thanks for a great show. You're welcome. Bubba, this is this is this is the guy I'm telling you about. He's a good friend of mine. Bubba with 500 sats says one term magically becomes two terms. Damn El Salvador is just like America. Rules mean nothing. Good to hear you. Well, it's good to hear from you too, Bubba. You're my favorite long haul trucker. Bitgus with 200 says boost. Pies with 100 says finally got sats on fountain. Thank you, sir. No, thank you. And that's going to do it for the weather report. Welcome to part two of the news. You can use Bitcoin ETFs means substitution from gold into BTC will continue. According to our good friend, Kathy Woods, Coindesk. Jamie Colley is going to write it. Kathy Wood, CEO of investment manager ARK Invest, said there is a substitution from gold into BTC currently underway and the availability of spot exchange traded funds will extend that trend. While the price of the largest cryptocurrency is primarily denominated in fiat currencies, usually the U.S. dollar, even relative to gold BTC has been rising consistently since its early days, Wood pointed out on ARK Invest Big Ideas 2024, quote, there's now a substitution into Bitcoin, and we think that that's going to continue now that there is a much easier way to access Bitcoin. Bitcoin is often compared to gold as a store of value due to its finite supply and the difficulty of mining gold and mining BTC. That contrasts with other assets such as national currencies, which can seemingly be printed out of thin air. There ain't nothing seemingly about it. That's what they do. No, screw that seemingly word. They are being printed out of thin air. By extension, the possible effects 
of the first spot Bitcoin ETFs are likened to the effect of the first gold ETF had. The yellow metals price surged over 250% in the seven years following its first ETF. So Kathy Woods weighing in on the difference of gold uh, and BTC. Uh, you know, I, I'm still not going to shit on shiny metal rocks, you know, any more than just kind of messing with, um, with our good gold bug friend. What's his name? Somebody give me his name. I, you know who I'm talking about. It's not Kruger. It's that dude with uh, Peter Schiff. Yes. Our good friend, Peter Schiff. I'll give him a little nudging and stuff like that. But honestly, you know, gold and silver, probably not a bad idea to have a little bit of. I'm just saying that I don't hate it. And the way that I see it is this. You can't transmit gold or silver across the world in return for goods and services that can be either mailed to you, you know, like through shipping, or sent to you as somebody building you a website. That's impossible. We don't have transporter technology. And if we did, the amount of energy it would take to transport across time and space, an ounce of gold, would be way, way surpassing the the, the value of the actual uh, items being transmitted. So that's out. So for my, for me, transmission of value across time and space, when that space is larger than your driving distance or your walking distance, is solely for Bitcoin. Gold and silver, however, I I could see that being a local currency that doesn't depend on electricity or anything like that. Just, I hand you a couple of, you know, ounces of silver. You give me, you know, a cart full of groceries, something like that. That I, I can see that. But outside of you being able to physically take gold and silver somewhere and give it to another person and receive goods and services for it, Outside of that, your walking or driving distance, forget about it. It's worthless. It doesn't make any sense at all. But that's sort of that's sort of my simplistic view of how I view gold and silver. Now, I want to talk about Bob at snort.social. He's Bob on Noster, and he's announced the Discord Zap bot, which is now open to everyone. So add to your server with this link and that link will be in the show notes or at least I hope I remember to put it in there. In fact, let me go ahead and get that link straight up and then I'm going to drop it into the show notes right here. Hold on for a second so that I can make sure that it's in there and I'll slip it right there and then I'll come back to that. Okay. All right. So. The note goes on to say that, you know, and this is sort of, this is a zap bot. So now you've got the ability on Discord to insert a zap bot into your Discord experience, right? So here's the features. You can click the lightning bolt to zap a post on Discord. You can use forward slash zap underscore all to zap everyone in a server with a single click. You can use forward slash connect to link a wallet and set zap amounts. And the whole thing is made with Prism API. That's www.makeprisms.com. And if you don't know what the Make Prisms things is, just go over to makeprisms.com 
and and look for look at it for yourself. Um, every, almost every single show that I announce after I've done the show and I've record, you know, it's all recorded and it's all edited and it's like been rendered. And when I put that show up for announcement, both on uh, Noster as well as Dead Bird Sight, well, actually, it doesn't work on Dead Bird Sight. It only works on Noster. But if I put dollar sign boost or dollar sign reply or dollar sign like it activates the make prisms on Noster so that if I get a certain amount of zaps or a certain amount of likes or a certain amount of replies or just people, you know, renoting my original note, if it gets up to 10, I get a message from make prisms on Noster that says, Hey, if you've got 10 boost, if you want to go reward the people that helped you boost, you can go do that. And then I'll go over to that note. I zap that note and it automatically splits whatever it is that I zap to that note into one tenth increments and sends one tenth tenth of my original zap amount to each one of the people that actually boosted the thing. It is an awesome thing to see. And now we're going to have some of that functionality over on Discord. So if you're a Discord user, get into my show notes and look for the Discord zap bot link. All right, now let's go on. In fact, I want to make sure that I've got that in my show notes so that people can at least see it, even though I realize that the show notes are a mess somehow or another when I upload it to um, uh, SoundCloud, it gets really, the show notes part of that gets really jumbled. I still have yet to figure that one out. I may just start throwing the show notes over on Noster and as addendums to the original show note. But yeah, you're going to be able to do zapping on Discord now. All right, let's see where are we at. Oh, uh, I don't want to do that one. AI powered service. Okay, so let's talk, a, let's finish off with a little bit of AI. An AI-powered service is churning out pictures of fake IDs capable of passing KYC AML for as little as $15. A website called OnlyFake is claiming to use neural networks to generate realistic-looking photos of fake IDs for just $15, radically disrupting the marketplace for fake identities and cybersecurity more generally reported 404 media. By the way, this is from our friends at nobsbitcoin.com. Quote, in our tests, OnlyFake created a highly convincing California driver's license, complete with whatever arbitrary name, biographical information, address, expiration date, and signature we wanted, reported 404 media. 404 then used another fake ID generated by the service to successfully step through the KYC process on OKX Exchange. It's kind of a big deal. Quote, the service claims to use generators, which create up to 20,000 documents a day. The service owner or services owner who goes by the moniker John Wick told 404 Media that hundreds of documents can be generated at once using data from a simple Excel table. Wick also told 404 Media that their service could be used to bypass verifications at a host of sites, including, get this, Binance, Revolut, Wise, Kraken, Bybit, Payoneer, Huobi, Airbnb, OKX, 
and your friends over at Coinbase. Mm. Adding that it shouldn't be used for the purposes of forging documents. Oh, come on. Why even have it? Of course you're going to forge documents with fake IDs. That's why there's fake IDs. The whole notion of a fake ID is to do exactly that thing. So, I mean, there are cover your ass statements and then there are just stupid, blatant, bullshit, tongue in cheek, cover your ass statements. And that's about, that's one for the record books. We suggest that you don't use our service, which is completely built around making fake IDs to forge documents. It's incredible, but whatever. Only fake offers other technical measures to make its churned out images even more convincing. The service offers a metadata changer because identity verification services or people may inspect this information to determine if the photo is fake or not, as was stated in the article. So there you go. AI being used in a way that is going to be really disruptive. It probably won't take very long for a reverse of that particular type of AI to say, to be able to recognize all these documents or these fake IDs and say, yeah, it's probably done by AI, but that's going to cause problems. How? Well, if I have a verified, actual, honest to God, like Washington state or Texas state driver's license, and I use it to KYC, now the chances of it being looked at and having a problem occur with it to where I cannot get the goods or services when I want them has increased exponentially. So AI throwing monkey wrenches into the works left and right, that's going to do it for the morning roundup. All right, from the book... The very, very embarrassing book of dad jokes. Let me flip a few pages in and see what we can come up with here. What do you get when you run over a sparrow with a lawnmower? Shredded tweet. What's yellow and swings through the jungle, smelling of almonds? Tarzapan. Why do milking stools only have three legs? Because the cow has the udder. Oh, oh. Ow, ow. Okay, that was groan worthy. Therefore, that last one was actually indeed a good, good, terrible joke. Okay, so um, let me know uh, on Noster. You can DM me. You can just tag me in, like on Noster directly. Um, if you enjoyed a 45-minute show better than an hour or an hour and 20-minute new show. Sometime this week, I'm going to be bringing you a um, the third installment of the Forest Walker series. Um, we're going to do wood vinegar, which is the other product produced by the gasification process. But that's coming, and it will be this week. Until then, I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin And, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.